morning. How are y'all? Awesome, awesome. I'm really excited today. First of all, if you see me squinting, it's because I got here this morning and my contacts, there's something in them from this weekend. I've been outside a lot. And, uh, and uh, like the waterworks turned on in here. And so I chunked my contacts and I can't see Jack. So um, you've heard that statement, blind as a bat, it would be me right now. And so uh, figure it out. Um, I'm alive and that's good. That's a little better. It's okay to laugh. The dyslexic guy also can't see. And so, between blur and backward, it's all good. Um, there is a statement that we try to, to operate by here in Three Rivers Community Church. And it's our, it's our statement. It's a vision statement. And uh, it's pretty clear. Uh, this is going to be a little different this morning um, because we're going to tag team something. We want to tell you something really cool this morning that's... Uh, that in my opinion is uh, one of the coolest things that ever happens in the kingdom. Um, and the cool thing is you're going to get to participate in this. And so um, I'm not going to preach 45 minutes like I normally do. I'm going to try to hold it to 10 and watch my little clock here. And then we're going to tag team and, then, and your elders are going to tell you something pretty amazing. Um, we say for the glory of God, for the glory of God, our mission is the weightiness of God, the triune God of the universe, not some benign deity. Um, we're talking Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all right? For the glory of God, the weightiness of the God of the universe. We want to build the church, both local and global, by being and producing radical followers of Jesus Christ. So many of you guys have heard that a hundred thousand times. And, and it never, we never tire of saying this because this is why we exist. We have a very clear, distinct mission. Our vision, our purpose is clear. It's, it's the Great Commission lived out in some very, very tangible and practical ways. And we say how we're going to pull off this lofty goal of God's praise, the glory of Father, Son, and Spirit, both local here and there, where we have targeted one unreached people group to pour our lives, our resources into to see a church planting movement birth there. Local and global by being and producing radical followers of Jesus. John 15, radical is not being tatted up and pierced from head to toe. Which, cool, whatever to the glory of God. But it is this idea that I arise from and I'm connected to a root source. This is what Jesus is describing in John 15 when he says, well, You remain in me and I in you. You will bear much fruit. That's radical. It's this idea to be rooted in and grounded in Christ and rising and growing out of that to go and spread the glory of the triune God of the universe on a local and global scale. We say that's the radical life, being connected to the Lord Jesus, Father and Spirit, and out of that and out of Him growing us into radical followers, we achieve that mission. And we say some Things in that. If you've been new, new member class, we talk about authentic worship. We we talk about uh, the missions piece. We talk about our ministries, culture transforming ministry. But there's always been this one there. We say church planting, church multiplication. It is statistically accurate, and I believe the reason the statistics make it clear 
is because planting churches is part of the Great Commission. That was obviously the strategy of the Great Commission. That's obviously how in Acts it got done. Is when you baptize a new follower of Jesus, this amazing thing happens. The kingdom is birthed there, wherever that happens at. And, and there's this tribal re-identification that takes place in baptism where you're no longer part of this tribe. You're now part of the kingdom. You have a new king. You have a new family. It's not the bloodline. It's the line of being connected through Abraham to the God of the universe through the glorious gospel of Jesus. And so that new tribal identity takes the form of the church so that all of those who love the Lord God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and have come under the protective, loving covering of the cross, we are family on a global scale. And that is a rich reality when Jesus is sitting with his disciples in the house and his family thinks he's crazy. And they come and say, hey, Jesus, we want to have a word with you. And you're getting a little crazy, a little radical. Come on out and talk to us. And Jesus looked around and he didn't go out and show them the honor of listening to their complaint. He looked around the table and said, you are my mother and my brothers. Why? Because through the establishing of the kingdom and the planting of followers of Jesus and local congregations who preach the gospel and administer baptism in the Lord's Supper, the gospel expands on a global scale. And the statistics prove this out, that the most effective means of reaching a culture is through planting churches, new congregations. That's what we say we want to be part of. And as you know, in, in, in our history, we've not seen that happen. There, there are reasons for that. Number one, we don't believe that you can just plant a church that's capable of doing what the church is supposed to do without right leadership and right elders. Um, I'm, I'm standing before you as one who looks back on my history and, and says I had absolutely no business being an elder in a church plant. Um, Apart from the grace of God. And I'm telling you, it, it has absolutely nothing to do with your elders. We're here because God's good. And He uses donkeys to get His work done. And I'm, I'm a, that's what I am. And I, there's a reason in the Bible they're called elders. Um, because people in their, often in their early portion of their life are fools. And, uh, and, and need strong growing and, and humility and recognizing that we need Jesus. We need to learn. We need to grow. We need to be seasoned. And so we've not just willy-nilly said, well, hey, let's go plant a church. Who do we have? Nobody. Well, let's rock and roll. There's, there's an intentionality in thinking this matters. It's the kingdom. It's, it's not about us. Because it does no good to plant something that falls on its, its face for, for lack of obeying Scripture, right? You know? Um, when you come to the book of Acts, there's this really cool thing that happens. Acts 1.8 says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's this simultaneous local and global reality. The church is here and at the same time it's exploding all over the known world. And then this really cool thing ha happens. The Lord Jesus did what He promised He would do. Is He ascended. He sends Spirit now to forever indwell the people who believe the Gospel. And this crazy thing happens. 
People are gathered in Jerusalem from all over the known world. They hear the gospel proclaimed in their own language. They believe and they go home. And this wild progression begins to happen in Acts. There is the people going back home with the good news. There is the stoning of Stephen and the church scattering to preach the gospel wherever they go. And this amazing thing happens. You read in Acts chapter 11 that some of these people who were scattered because of the stoning of Stephen end up in all of these cities. One of them being this little crazy town called Antioch. And it says there the people were first called Christians. And Barnabas and Saul happened happened to be there. Let me read you the passage real quickly. Now there arose... Uh, now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. Whew, man, it's hard not to just roll. Ooh, preaching the Lord Jesus. They didn't preach how to be a better person, how to be a better father, how to be a better mother, how to have a good marriage. They preached Jesus because the gospel is the power of God for salvation, not being a better human. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. This report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas, son of encouragement. You guys know what his real name is? Acts 4. Barnabas' real name is Joseph. And they gave him the nickname Bar-Nabas, son of encouragement. Just so you know. Barnabas, the Antioch, where he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them, thus his name, son of encouragement, to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now this crazy thing happens. One chapter, you got chapter 12, then one chapter over, we read this. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, you yeah, just read that. Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. And you have launching from this new church a movement that would go global. And we get to Acts 19. This crazy thing happens. Paul happens on the city of Ephesus. And there's a church there. How did that happen? The gospel was spreading. And they begin to gather Christians and they begin to disciple and make disciples and grow and, and appoint elders and grow elders. And those churches begin, begin growing. And, begin, and growth, by the way, was not always measured in how many people were attending that congregation. It was measured in the sending of the gospel. And boy, we don't, we don't do that, do we? We're all jacked up. How many people showed up on Sunday? Very few ever asked the question, including me. How many churches have we planted 
that are healthy and fighting. Well, I've got good news for you. I believe the Lord has done such a work in our church that uh, He, the Spirit, has begun to say and has said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. And this morning, we have a Barnabas and Saul that God has raised up from our church. And I want you to notice in Acts chapter 13, it wasn't dudes on the sideline that the Lord said set apart. It was some of the leadership. Wasn't it? We just read that, didn't we? Well, the Lord has spoken to some of your leadership. And the Lord has said, go. And I want to say to you this morning as we tag team, um, God is going to do a work through some of your leadership in planting a church from this body that is going to continue to affect the world with the gospel. So, Michael, Brad, come on. Well, um, as, as Mitch has said so eloquently, God has called us, uh, Michael and me and our families, to, to um, plant a new church. And, and this church planting is not going to be local. It is, it is going to be, um, we feel God is calling us to the Pacific Northwest. And um, one of the things that we have looked at is that um, we want to go just as we have done overseas, we want to do this locally as well, go to the place where the church is not established. And if you look statistically in, in the nation, you see that in the northeast and the northwest are the least churched um, in our nation. And so um, we feel like God is calling us to, to plant a church where the church is not established. And so um, for you guys who know me, I love quotes and, and I want to, um, read you a quote here from David Penman, who's a former Ang- Anglican Archbishop of Melbourne. He says, No local church can afford to go without, without the encouragement and nourishment that will come to it by sending away its best people. Um, the best people weren't available, so Michael and I... <laughs> but, <laughs> no. But I want I want Michael to go ahead and talk about you know where where you guys came from and and where you're heading and wh- what how you feel God has has called you to this. All right, I'm I'm a little bit of a rambler, so I wrote notes, so you can thank me later. Um, so five years ago, this past January, I came to Three Rivers. Um, because of my wife, and uh, we, we weren't married, we were going to get married in March, but I was working in Birmingham with a job that required a lot of travel, and I thought, this is not going to bode well for a new marriage, um, so I moved back to Rome to teach, and and our goal was, Rome was just a temporary stopping point, um, we were actually going to raise funds to go on staff with Campus Outreach over in Florence, Alabama. So basically, I was, I'm from Rome. I was coming home. I thought this would be a good home base for a little while. Uh, I'll teach. We'll raise money. And then when we have raised our salary, we're gone. Um, and so we came with that, that intention, got married, just cruising along, raising money, whatever. And uh, over a few months, in a very clear, I mean, looking back, it, it's unbelievably clear um, how God was 
just closing doors and directing us to stay here. And I just remember coming apart at the seams uh, in certain moments because I had, I mean, people had given us thousands of dollars to go do this in Florence. And um, here I am thinking, but this church, there's something about this church that I, I just love. And um, very clearly God said, no, just cut it off. You're not going to Florence. Uh, you're going to stay here, and you're going to be a part of Three Rivers, and, and you're going to be uh, working with college students and doing music and, and just uh, be engaged in the local church because I had grown up. My dad was a pastor. I had grown up in the church, but I didn't become a Christian until I was in college. And I guess there was kind of a, a mentality of, okay, I was in the church most of my life. I missed it. I missed the gospel. So now I'm a Christian, and I just kind of, the church was not a great thing in my mind. I mean, I love the church, but it wasn't, you know, I thought where I'm really going to grow is in small group Bible studies on a college campus. That's really where spiritual life happens, because that's all I had known. And in those months, God just very clearly showed me the beauty of his church, that he established the church, not a ministry but the church with a with a leadership structure and with a community and with with ages from newborns to 90 year old people who who meet together and worship God and so um, so that was real clear here we are three rivers and so we settled here and kind of thought this might be life I mean maybe one day I'll be an elder at Three Rivers and we'll just be here and and um, love Rome and I'll you know work a job and whatever. Um, and there was, there's always been a hesitation for me when I think about leading a church, planning a church, being a pastor, being an elder, um, and that you may be familiar with this hesitation because it's biblical. James 3.1 says not, I mean, I don't know if James could be more clear. Not many of you should be teachers, <laughs> okay, because, because you know that we who teach will be held to a more strict standard, um, so there's, you know, hey, good, I almost every time I read that, I think, beware, you know, <laughs> don't do this. Um, and so we, we were coming, as I learned more about how Three Rivers was planted, and I learned more about these guys and just their desire to see the gospel go forth and, and just broadened my idea of a global gospel sending mission and, and uh, churches being planted around the world, I, I just kind of started thinking, how cool would it be? to plant a church, but James is right over my shoulder. No, don't do it, you know. Um, and so I, I was hesitant for a long time and, and fearful of that. And then last fall, and we had talked very openly with the Hankins for a long time about this and asked them a lot of questions, and, and um, they were very gracious, you know, never, never kind of put pressure on us to go and do anything like that, but always open to talk and always challenging us to just think Think strategically, think globally, um, you know, live out what you believe. If you really believe that God has promised he will provide and sustain and, and that he has commanded us to go into all the world, um, is, that, is that something you should consider? And um, last fall, things really started shaking loose. So I just, I sat there for a while, just kind of spinning my wheels, and, and Kelly and I had many conversations about, okay, what are we doing in Rome? We, we love Rome, but... There was a time where we were going to leave and go do something else, and now we've settled here and we're feeling restless. And but, but James is saying, "Be careful." But I'm anxious to go do something. And um, last fall, I was studying First Timothy with a couple of the college students, and I hit First Timothy three, and it was 
what I would call now a, just a glimmer of a call, a, a liberating couple of verses. First uh, Timothy three one just says, "If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task." I've read that verse five hundred times probably, but I missed a couple of words. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And I, I read that I had always been of the mentality, if because um, I'd heard pastors say, if you can do anything else and be happy, do that. But if you can't, maybe you're called to be a pastor. I'm like, wow, what a terrible way to look at pastoring, right? Um, but and I know what they mean. What they mean is. Don't just presume you can just be a pastor. You know, uh, God will give you a restlessness. He will give you a, a, a desire for that, and everything else will seem a little dull compared to what He's called you to. But, but I, I had always taken that kind of as so I should chase after anything else, go after anything else, resist any inclination I may have to be a pastor. And if God wants me to be a pastor, He will irrevocably, you know grab me and drag me into it, you know, and I'll realize, oh, this is it. I have to be a pastor. Um, and I read that in Timothy, and, and Paul is saying, no, no, Timothy, there will be men who want this. They want to pursue this, and that's a good thing. In fact, I think Paul was saying, I anticipate, Timothy, you'll have so many guys that want to do this, and that's a good thing, so let me give you some qualifications for what you should look for. Out of the the 200 guys that want to do this, here are some things to help you filter that down to understand who's really called and equipped to be an overseer. So if you read the rest of that chapter, that's what it is, the qualifications for elders. And, and then you get down to verse 14 and 15, and, um, and Paul says, I write these things to you, or I hope to come to you soon, but I write these things to you so that if I delay, you will know how one ought to behave himself in the household of God, which is the church, and then this phrase, a buttress and pillar, or a pillar and buttress of the truth. And I thought, oh, that's good. I remember studying that with uh, Kyle and Eric and sitting there with them and saying, guys, I may be a pastor. I mean, when I, when I read the church is a pillar and a buttress of the truth, I just imagine the world collapsing under the weight of sin, and, and here is this thing that God has instituted to hold righteousness up and to hold the truth up and to, to call out to the world and support that infrastructure and say, no, we, here is the truth, believe it, obey it. And so, so that, that kind of shook me free from just spinning my wheels. And uh, we had some conversations with the Hankins about, all right, maybe we should pray about this thing. Maybe we should really consider... Um, if this is a direction we should go. And so so I started reading the Bible like crazy. Um, and, and just classic, you know, give me a verse, God. I'm just going to read. I'm, I'm, I know it's somewhere in Hezekiah. There is a verse that says, go, Michael Smith, go plant a church here. And so I started reading the Bible, and, and I'm, I had this inclination. I have this kind of affirmed desire to be a pastor and and I don't even get past Genesis 2 before my, I'm just, I'm reading and I'm just like, what does that mean? Like, wait a minute, how do you reconcile this verse with what just happened in Genesis 1? I don't see how you fit these things together. And the more I read, I got to Job, and if you've ever read the middle of Job, I'm just like, what is, what is this talking about? I have no idea what's going on here. Um, 
and just started thinking, I don't understand anything about the Bible. My gosh, this is, um, and, and really it, it kind of sent me into a little bit of a spiral where I'm like, okay, I feel this, this inclination and this freedom to pursue possibly being a pastor. And now I'm reading verses in the Bible and I'm thinking, how can this be true? <laughs> how this, it seems to be a contradiction. And if, as I've been taught and believed for a long time, the Bible is the word of God, what's going on here? I don't know how to understand this. Um, and that wasn't a good place to be because I'm, I'm reading the Bible frantically looking for a calling. And yet I'm thinking, I can't even believe what I'm reading right now. What's going on? And so what I do when I run into situations like that, and you probably have been there, um, I go to, to very clear passages in the Bible that have shown me, that have opened my eyes and shown me um, and convinced me in certain ways before that, no, the Bible is clearly more than just a book written by men. And so I went to one of my favorites, Second Peter chapter 1, and um, there's a passage in there where where. Uh, Peter says, you know, we heard the voice of the majestic glory say to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, And we were with him on the mountain, but we have something more sure, the prophetic word. You know, it's like Peter says, we saw that. I saw the, the spirit on Jesus and the father speaking. And yet I have something more sure. I have the prophetic word. Um, And so I I went there and, and it wasn't very helpful but I'm just, I'm, I read that passage and I go back to the beginning of Second Peter and I see this phrase that says um, that God has given us his precious and very great promises. Um, and, and it says that through which you become partakers of the divine nature. So through promises we become partakers of the divine nature. And so I just, I read that over and over and I prayed and nothing, I wasn't making any ground. And so... Uh, and I promise I'm wrapping up here. Um, so we go in Jan- in February. The pastors uh, go to Minneapolis for a, a pastors conference, and I remember praying with with Brad and just this ongoing months and months of hesitation. And I would say I still don't feel anything, any clarity. I still don't feel like I'm ready to go. I, I I still am unsure about some things. And I never was really explicit that I'm unsure about the truth of the Bible. Um, that's a little strong. But, but uh, I mean, really, that's in my gut. I was just like, how can I be here? I've, I've told these guys I'm inclined to be a pastor, and yet I'm wrestling with this. And um, I remember Brad saying one time, Michael, God is a good father, and, and he will make this clear to you. Not because he has to. He will give you clarity and wisdom, not because he owes it to you, but because he's a loving father. And... Um, and he even said, it will come in a way that you don't expect it, which is weird to me. Um, it, but it just, just, I said, okay, that sounds good. Let's, let's just, I mean, let's just keep moving. So we go to Minneapolis, and I remember the second day we were there, uh, Emmett planned some, some lunch with a guy that I, I didn't even know it was happening. And in fact, I almost said to the guys, y'all go ahead and have lunch, because I was struggling so much about all this and I'm just going to go back to the hotel room and and read and pray for a little while and y'all just have a good lunch and didn't do that just went with them and um, sat down with this guy and he was a church planner in Charlotte North Carolina and we just talked and trying to learn some things from him and I asked him what would you do differently what did you do wrong in your first 10 years or eight years of planning a church or whatever 
And he said, I think it was the first thing he said, I tell you, there were two guys that we called to be elders, and we did it too soon, and they weren't ready. And I wish we hadn't done that. That, that was the biggest mistake that I've made as a pastor. And, um, and he said, and one of them, here was the situation. The guy had been a Christian for a few years. He was growing in his faith and really excited and, and seemed to be a leader and just, uh, just really seemed like he had all the pieces in place. And we called him as an elder and in the first few months, it became clear he had never been tested in his faith. And, and he started wrestling with questions about the Bible and questions about Christianity. And he's supposed to be leading this church, and he's not even settled in his heart that this is what he believes. And I just remember him saying that and, and just feeling like Jesus is putting his arms around me and saying, now you get it. Now you get it. Um, now you know why I wouldn't just answer your questions. Because I want you to know what it means to pursue me in hard times. To pursue me when everything's not falling in place. Um, and so I, I left there and just started, went and prayed a little bit and started reading Second Peter again. And I, I got to Second Peter 1. And it says that, um, let's see, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, because he's given you those things, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I read that, it, I remembered... Dozens of conversations that I had with Brad and Michelle and just said, I just don't want to jump into this thing and get somewhere and then everything fall apart and we just be ineffective or we it be clear that we're doing this in our own strength and, and that God is not providing for us and making this work fruitful. And then I read, if these things are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And so... Um, just reading that, it, it, that was just a settledness. What I was longing for all along, and, and God took me, you know, around the corner and back up and over the hill and then there. And uh, I just remember walking in the hotel room that night and looking at Brad and saying, all right, let's do this thing. You know, I'm ready. Um, and so we've been praying ever since then uh, and talking and making plans. And so um, we're excited. I guess that's, that's where I'm coming from. Now Brad will tell you what's going on with him. <laughs> Something tells me that, that he's called to be a preacher. I'm just saying. Uh, um, I just want to just briefly talk to you guys. Um, most of you know, um, being executive pastor, missions pastor, um, Michelle and our, and our family came from Texas. Um, we came out here, literally left everything, left a job, left family, left friends um, to come out here and be a part of Three Rivers to, to help plant this church. And... And um, that, for us, that was a just a, a seminal point in our lives because because that's when we that was our leaving everything. For Michael and Kelly, this is this is going to be that point for them. They're going to leave their family, their friends, everything that they know, and go to a place um, that they don't know. But 
but the certainty back then for Michelle and me was that God gave us gave us his promise. He said, I will lead the blind in ways they have not known. In unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will make darkness light for them, and the crooked things I will make straight. These things I will do, and I will not forsake them. And that all along had been our prayer, that God, just as, just as Moses said, God, don't lead us there if you're not going to go with us. And that has been, that has been our prayer, um, the Smiths and our, our prayers we've been praying together. God, don't lead us there if you're not going to go with us. But I believe he has, he has gone before us already, and he has already told us, I will not forsake you. I will not leave you undone. And so um, that, is, that has been our call, and that is wh- who we're about. And, and we, you know, I, I've, I've went back and forth whether or not to even, to even say this because it's, it, it can come across as, as arrogant. And you guys who know me, that's, that's not my heart. Um, but I'm beginning to understand how the Apostle Paul was able to tell so many of his churches be examples of me, even as I am of Christ. Michelle and I have poured our lives into this church for the sake of Christ and for the sake of you. We have, we have been, in, in a sense, that example for you guys. And, and let me offer you, offer you this as a challenge. We, we, have, we have given everything. We have... You have seen Michelle's life, and uh, and I will say, it would have been impossible without her beside me in doing this. It wasn't as if God called me to this and and Michelle tagged along. No, God called the Hankins out here to be a part of this, and Michelle's call was just as strong and is just as vibrant as mine. And and you guys know, you you see her work, you see what. She has done through young moms, through, through constantly serving just the hospitality. Um, we always joke with people that we should put a revolving door on our house because that literally we have people coming in and out just constantly. And, and that's, that's Michelle's hospitality. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I want you guys to understand that, that it's not, there's nothing special in us. It is we're just being examples of Christ. And we're trying to show you guys to be the same, to, to live your lives in such a way that, that your entire life, not just this is ministry and this is our life, but it's all ministry. It's all in the kingdom. And we're all doing this for the sake of God's glory. And so, and so like I, I've said, you know, we've, we've poured our lives into that. And, you know, you guys, we've, we've opened our house. Some of you have lived with us for for literally for for times and and um again we just we just want to show you that that um to to do that be examples of that for the sake of the kingdom so people you pour your lives out for the sake of the gospel and people will understand that and they will see Christ in you and and they will see that discipleship is not just a bible study um that is very important and that is good but discipleship is pouring your life living your life before others and letting them see Christ in you. And you guys have seen our lives. You've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. You've seen our family um, in, all, in all its glory. And, and um, again, just to show you that it's, 
that discipleship, living life on life with one another. Um, uh, there are several things, obviously, that, that you guys are going to have questions about, and you're, you're going to wonder, well, how do we get from here to, to move forward to the next, um, this next phase in, in Three Rivers? And, um, and for those of you that I've been working closely with, Radical Kids and Mission stuff even, um, you guys know I've been slowly transitioning uh, my my responsibilities, handing those over, and and discipling, training, trying to um, get guys and 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 women in the radical kids to in leadership positions to be able to to fill those strategic gaps as Michael and I leave. And so um, Emmett is going to start talking more about how this is going to look moving forward. And so um, I'll let Emmett come up here and talk about that. So there is something powerful about giving away some of your best people, even if you leave some donkeys behind. Um, but one of our one of our early coaches in this whole uh, endeavor told us that as we did ministry, the resources would be in the harvest. Um, and they will be for y'all. They will be for us as we continue to grow. Um, it, we've seen that and. I just kind of want to give you a little bit of a big picture of where we are right now and then kind of hit some nuts and bolts of, of where we're going. Um, you know, t- for these guys, as they prepare to leave, I think a lot of times what we see in, in churches is someone gets a call to ministry somewhere else, and that ends up being because there's a bigger salary somewhere else or because there's a better situation with less conflict somewhere else or because there's something that's nice, it's closer to the beach or whatever. Um, well, these guys are moving closer to the beach, but uh, yeah, food trucks, right? Um, Seattle coffee, I, I don't know. That's not the situation with them. We are, um, they're, they're getting ready to embark on something that's going to be not easy by any stretch. Um, and so just at the outset, I want to say to you guys, um, we need to be supportive of them in prayer. You know, they're going to have a good bit of time that they're going to be here before they go. We don't all of that is still kind of to be seen. Um, some of it relates to, to job situations and housing and, and a lot of other uh, things. So please be in prayer for them um, as they prepare to go, that God would give them clarity, that he would provide people. Um, you know, it may even be that some of you are, are called to, to move across the country and go with them. Who knows? Um, but we want to be as supportive of them as we can. We want to make sure that they are uh, as successful as as is, is in our control and that we put them in God's hands um, and that as they uh, start on this new endeavor that, that they're fully supported. Um, they have served really well here. You know, I, many of y'all don't know the, the full history, but basically Three Rivers started um, in Texas around the Hankins kitchen uh, table um, as we sat and, and just dreamed about what things might be. And uh, here, you know, about 10 years later, here we are, and um, a lot of things have changed. A lot of things are different than we thought they might be, and I'm sure that will be the case for you all as well, um, as you'll look back in a few years and think, well, we did that right, and boy, we messed that up, but God was good. Um, But um, having said that, they have served really well, and we want to honor them as they go um, and, and fully support them. But the other thing I want to say, too, is Three Rivers is not... Um, we don't want it to be, we hope that it never is, built around the personalities of your pastors. Um, we don't expect and we don't think that the church is going to miss a beat when they leave. And it's not because 
they're not great at what they do. It's not because God has not powerfully called and used them here. But we really do believe the resources are in the harvest. We really do believe that God has gifted people out here right now to step in and not only fill the holes that will be there, uh, but go beyond what we're doing now and, and go beyond for the kingdom's sake and being effective here in Rome and beyond. So um, we're going to be asking you guys to do more. We're going to be asking you to step up in some strategic ways that God has gifted you, that he has um, given you experience. And I think it's very, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a, in a, in a minute, but I think it's very appropriate as Nathan talked last week about um, being gifted enough to do something, that there are a lot of you that are gifted enough and even more than gifted enough uh, that, that God is going to call and use in various roles. Um, I want to tell you, too, that, that Mitch and I are really excited about what the future holds, and I think both of us would tell you that we have never been more sure about our calling here. Um, we've never been more excited about what God is doing in our people here right now and I, I am I'm really pumped. I'm really pumped for these guys as they're getting ready to go. But I'm also really, really excited about what God is going to do here in the future. So this is not um, this is not a downer. This is an incredible thing um, that God is is birthing out of us. Um, I, so I, I think you know I think our best days are ahead of us as a church. I think God is is has matured us as a body over the last few years. Um, he has brought in a whole lot of new folks in the last couple of years and. There's a purpose behind that. It's not just so that we can become a bigger church. It's not just so that we can do new things or we have more resources or whatever. He, he doesn't just give those resources for no purpose. Um, he gives them for the purpose of building his kingdom, making his name great here and beyond. And so we want to we be about that. Um, and I, I also want to say we are, we're your pastors, but we're not, we're not your popes. Um, we don't have the corner on, on every idea. Um, we're not the smartest guys in the world. Mitch has already said he's a donkey. I'll second that for me. Um, we don't have every idea out there. We need your input. You know, God has called the role of the, of the pastor is to oversee, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to teach the scriptures. Um, but we also are not, we don't have every idea, and we need your input. We need your involvement. We need your gifts. Um, so that the body is fully functional and, and fully supported and equipped to do the work that we're called to. Um, so we want to be, be ministry incubators here. And I, I think what you will see is that our roles will, will begin tweaking a little bit, changing a little bit. Um, I think we're going to have to be a little bit better at managing things, um, and we're going to get there. God is, I think it's been really, really cool how, if you look back at just in the last few years, how God has brought us corporately and how he's brought us individually as pastors to some new places in our in our development personally um, and our trust of him and just some of our, our abilities um, that I think all of that, there's no doubt, all of that was providential in preparing um, the Hankins and the Smiths to go and preparing us to stay and preparing Three Rivers for, for what's, whatever's next. And we're not even, you know, we're going to walk by faith and see what that is. So, I guess some of the nuts and bolts of what that's going to look back look like. Um, Brad is going to be stepping back basically from a lot of his pastoral responsibilities the end of May. Um, we've already begun, as he talked about, transitioning some of those things. Um, so you'll, you'll see some of those uh, as we go forward. But we want to give them adequate time to prepare. We want to give them adequate time to, to do all of the, the thinking and the research and 
to go make some visits to figure out where they actually need to live and where, where they might plant a church and just to kind of do everything. Uh, it's, it's, it can be a long process, and, and figuring all that out and seeking the Lord's input is something that uh, we want them to have all the time and, and resources that they need to do that. Um, Mitch and I will be um, working with you guys to kind of identify what are some of the holes. Um, we think that we've identified most of them, but I'm sure there's going to be some more. And so as we identify what are the kind of the ministry holes that we need to fill, what are the new things that need to, to happen, like I said, we need your input. We need your ideas. Um, God has called and gifted each of you that are members of Three Rivers to serve the body in some way. And as we talk about a good bit of the new members class, there is an op- there's a place here for all of you to be served, but church is not a consumable product. There's also a place for you to serve. And, um, and we'll be... We'll be talking to you more about that. So we want to identify those help, those holes and, and move forward. Um, Michael at some point is going to be stepping back from music and from college ministry, and so that will obviously be one as well, and, and we are um, looking at what that's going to look like. Um, Michael's going to be preaching some more to kind of prepare them to go, so you'll see all through the month of June Michael's going to be doing a series. Um, and, you know, your role in that, again, is to, to support and to pray and hopefully not... Uh, come up after every sermon and say, well, you didn't do this right. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there's some things that are going to be really practical um, preparation steps for them to go um, that we want to we be supportive of. Um, and I guess, too, I want to say, I mean, if you just look around, the, the difference in this room and between now and, say, 18 months ago is, like, there's a lot more people here. Um, and so we recognize that we, we are pretty much at our limit time-wise as pastors of what we can do and would be basically at that limit even if, if they weren't leaving. So we, part of our tr- transition is going to be a transition in, in roles and learning to manage a little bit better, but part of it is a time-wise issue as well. And so one of the changes that's going to come down the pike is with Mitch is going to have a little bit more time um, as he is his role transitions uh, to, to a part-time role here at Three Rivers. And we'll talk to you more about that as, as, uh, as those things come down the pike as well. Um, but we want to we be able to adequately meet all of the needs uh, of the body as that happens as well. Um, there's some things that, you know, we're going we're gonna to outsource. We're going to outsource some of our finances. And uh, as far as the record-keeping to a bookkeeper, I'm going to take over kind of the administration of that. Um, Mitch is going to take Radical Kids um, and has already begun working with Tanya and Brittany on some of that. So I think that we, we kind of have a, a pretty good plan in place. But uh, please, uh, please, as you, as you guys have concerns, we know there's going to be bumps along the way. If something offends you or something bothers you or whatever, let us know so that we don't find out six months later that you were really mad about something and we didn't know it. And then there's a whole lot of uh, water under the bridge that's happened. Um, we want to we, we want to keep the focus on kingdom growth. Three Rivers has never been about, and we hope that this is never about building our little fiefdom here and building our little, um, you know, whatever that makes us look good. We want to be about kingdom growth, and that's part of it. We've always talked about um, church planting is not about how big can you make one church. It's about how big can you make the kingdom, how big can you expand the kingdom, and that's that. We want to continue that mindset. So. Um, as we do that, you know, some things are going to change, but, but the overall thrust from, from
from the vision of the church to the way that we spend our money to the way that we spend our time, all those things are going to be consistent with, with what you've already seen. There's not going to be any radical changes in, in those things. Um, there are going to be some tweaks here and there, but um, be patient with us. Please give us your input. Pray for us. Pray for these guys as they get ready to go. Um, so I guess, you know, it was very appropriate that Nathan talked last week about um, where is the Holy Spirit nudge you about where your place of being gifted enough is? Where has he nudged you about, hey, I really need to do this, or I really could serve in this way, or boy, I see this as something that's out there that, that Three Rivers could be doing, and I could, I could help pull some people together to do this. But you've never really taken that step. Well, some of those steps are coming. And um, we, our prayer is that you guys will, as you hear those, those promptings, as you feel those promptings, uh, that you won't say, well, maybe it's just something I ate for lunch. Or you won't say, well, I don't have time to do that. I'll figure, I'll figure out something else. Oh, well, surely Mitch can do that. Let's, let's, let's tell him about it, and that will resolve me of my responsibility. Um, God's going to call each of you to do some things that maybe are outside of your comfort zone. And as he does, be obedient to that call. Be perceptive to that call. Um, be willing to, to hear that call and not... Uh, not just shun it, but to, to obey it. Because I think that you will find, I know that you will find, that there is a huge blessing in obedience um, in, in a lot of ways that you might not even expect or, or see. Um, so where, where is it that you're gifted enough? Where is it that, that you are, the things that you think about that keep you up late at night, that you say, we really would like to see this. Um, and and let's let's begin doing those things. Um, we do want to take 